welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees and I'm joined by Joe Scrabbles. Hello. How are you doing, Joe? I'm not too bad. I'm, I'm masking all the horrible feelings that I have towards you and everyone we play Subterfuge with. Absolutely. I hate everybody. Yeah. Last week on the podcast, we talked a bit about Subterfuge and we said that it was going to be this fun thing. We were excited. We were having a fun time. And now we're not going to explain why, because the first part of the series will be going up, I think, t- uh, either tomorrow or Wednesday. Mm. And uh, you'll, you'll start to get a sense of why it's actually a horrible game that we don't really want to play ever again. Yeah. And you should never, if you do play it, play it with strangers. Don't play it with your friends. That's, did you see, someone else brought this up, that like with strangers, you would feel fine. Because you're, the, the chat context is learning people. Well, you wouldn't trust anyone to be with. Exactly. Fine. You'd be like, these are all bastards, so I hate them. Making friends would be part of the mechanic. But having it, being your actual friends. And having friendships broken by the Yeah, imagining dangerous. everybody who you know and like in real life lying to you. And it's <laughs> it's that equivalent of like kind of being like kind of a, a stone teenager convinced that everyone in the world is laughing at you as soon as you shut your bedroom door. Just, I mean, I guess it is. I don't know. It's the lottery winner anyway. syndrome, isn't it? Suddenly everyone's using you. And we've actually veered well into the zone of it being way too late Stop. to introduce our other guests. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Andy Kelly. Hello. Fantastic to have you on today. Andy Kelly, if you don't know, is uh, he's a writer. He's been writing for a very long time, but he's also got talents outside of that and is good at... You laughed at that. No, I just... I laughed at, like... What are you laughing at? It sounded like you were justifying it. <laughs> All right. It, it sounded like it was towards... Uh, not believing it yourself. <laughs> so, no, I do. I do. I personally believe you're brilliant. Now, yes, so. Yeah, he's thank you. Ultra brilliant on Twitter, and he's he is ultra brilliant. It's in no. the name. It's one of these people in the games industry who's, who's actually very talented at lots of other things, and has really kind of shown that recently with other places. Mm. Yeah, which is a series you've done about looking at game worlds. Yeah, looking at mountains and stuff. We'll talk about that in a little bit because I'd yeah. love to properly talk about that because it's awesome. Um, but what have you been playing recently, Andy? What have I been playing? I've been playing Between Endless Rocket League, which is at my vice at the moment. I've been playing the wonderful Else Heartbreak, which I've just discovered Matt's never heard of. Ah, I misheard you say it for some. I have heard of it. Yeah. But I don't really know what it is. about it. And what about you? I only know as much as you've said on Twitter and in your review. Yeah. So So should I give you like a broad sweep of what the hell it is? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it is. It's a game by a group of Swedish men um, who don't have a collective name, which is really bad SEO. <laughs> and when it came to filling in the bit in the PC Gamer review, it said developer. I had to just put all the names, so that was kind of annoying. Oh, but, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's really irritating. Yeah, it really... Why not just have a collective name? Because <laughs> Yeah. But that's the thing. That, that, that says everything about their approach to game design and everything. They're so damn cool. <laughs> one of them, um, so the lead developer, kind of one of the lead creative types is Eric Sverdang. Uh, he is a very talented man. Um, and there's some other talented men, but I don't know who they are. But one of the chaps is called. <laughs> you remember um, one of them? That's quite <laughs> yeah. impressive. No, one, one of the chaps is called Nicholas Ackerblad. I might be pronouncing that wrong. Also known as El Huervo, who did some of the best music on the Hotline Miami soundtrack. Yeah, he's, he's, like huh. a, he's a multi talented guy. His music's amazing. You should check out El Huervo on. Spotify. He's really good. But anyway, he's what he's like the he's also an artist, a painter, and he does these amazing psychedelic paintings. And he did like the key art for Hotline Miami too. You know that oh, the hippie yeah, with the, the smashed glasses. Um, so he's the art director of this game, and it looks it's kind of like a one of his psychedelic surreal paintings, uh, realized in the low poly look of like a PS One game. Gotcha. So it's really unique looking. It's really cool looking. Um, I think artistically, it's like one of the most impressive games I've played. It's so wow, damn handsome. Uh, it's kind of like isometric um, view, 
kind of open world crossed with a kind of traditional point-and-click game. So you, at the start of the game, you travel to this new city called Dorisburg, which is kind of like a a bit like Copenhagen. Um, apparently that's what it's based on, but it, it has the feel of, if you've ever been to, you know, Scandinavia, it has the feel of a Scandinavian city. It's quite cool and has a sort of certain vibe to it that's different from, you know, Europe or America or whatever. Um, so you arrive there and <clears throat> you've got a... You, it's kind of, there's no hand-holding at all. It's one of the least hand-holdy games I've ever played, where you just arrive in this town, and you, that's it. You, you're you on the docks in a new town. So you don't even know what you're doing or anything? Well, that's the thing, you've got a job. That's the only guidance that goes, right, you have, you've got a job selling soda. You're a soda salesman, you have to go around selling cans of soda to people on the street. But you don't even have to do that. That's the thing. You just appear in this town, and what you do next is really up to you. That's really unusual. Yeah, and, it, and it's... it's but it, it can feel a bit obtuse at times because it's so um, reluctant to tell you where to go or what to do. And a lot of the negative reviews I've read on Steam are like, you know, it's it's too obtuse. I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but it's kind of like, it's that thing of if anyone's ever moved to a new town, it feels like an alien, scary place oh, full yeah. of strangers. But the more time you spend there, you, so, you sort of learn the routines of the residents. You learn get to know people's names and suddenly it starts to feel like home slowly so you you know I'll know that at, at a certain you know 8am every morning the guy from the soda company I know he's going to be outside the cafe down the road from the hotel and like that's an example you just get to know the routines of people it sounds a little it bit sounds like Majora's Mask yeah it's exactly yeah. what I was going to say it's, yeah. very, it's very similar to that but that's not even the game that's just a that's just a side thing the game is is at one point you unlock this tool called a modifier and in this universe, atoms are bits. So everything can be hacked with this modifier tool, not just computers, anything. Inanimate objects can be hacked. So say you go up to um, a can of beer, you use your modifier on it, and it brings up the code of the beer, which is to increase your drunkenness and increase your smelliness by a certain vari- you know, variable. So you can go in and hack it to like make it more potent. You can increase the drunkenness stat. Wow. So how in, depth, yeah. how in depth is the coding? Like uh, it's a, it's got its own language based on BASIC. It's called Sprack, which I think is Swedish for um, language. Yeah, right. I think it is. Yeah, and so you, um, it's kind of like it's like a point and click puzzle game. It's like GTA style. Op- well, no, not GTA. I mean, like as in an open city with a sure. bit of feel like it's kind of got mechanical. It's moving and doing stuff. Um, but you join this group of like hackers who are railing against the kind of dystopian government who's running this town, uh, and you by using the hacking skills you solve puzzles, you sort of do missions, you know, you sneak into places and you hack your way in. Um, but really, like the thing about it is that anything can be hacked. So, see, you there's a lot of rules to begin with, like locked doors, a day-night cycle. You get tired, you have to go to bed. But when you get master the hacking, all of those problems can be solved through hacking, through using the code. So say you're about, you know, you're tired and you can't run anymore. Normally you'd have to go back to the hotel and sleep. Hack so your you legs. Can, yeah. Well, you, you hack, so you hack it. Any liquid you've got, you can hack it to reduce your tiredness and you just drink it. You hack a glass of water to make you less tired and you're fine. Or if you want to get to another part of the city and it's miles away and you have to walk there in real time, just hack a door to lead right there. So it becomes this thing where you you, you start off as like this, this adventure game where you're, living in a, a simulated city. But then you become someone who can then actually edit the systems in the game. 
to then like become like I'm, sort I'm of enjoying weird, the like, fact that while you're saying this to me there's a sort of like a, a kind of fragile lost confused look in your eyes <laughs> yeah, yeah, even thinking about this game just makes you go the fuck is yeah, it? Yeah, it's, it's so it's so hard. Like I, I had to review it for PC Gamer, and I found it really difficult to mm. sum it up in a thousand words. I had, but I mean, in the simplest, to really break it down, you're you're a guy who comes to a town and you meet up with some hackers and you help them fight against this dystopian dictatorship that's running it by using, you know, by editing the this code. Game sounds of amazing, though. It's 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 unreal. Like it's so everything about it is so cool. Like it's full of kind of um, really cool pop culture and music references but not in that kind of a gamey way where they mm. they're kind of annoying not life is strange yeah that is Ray the, Bradbury's yeah. brilliant it's by the, the complete way. opposite of that that's a really good way of looking at it like there's it's just it feels it, it kind of captures contemporary life as in you sort of go to parties and you hang out in coffee shops and you meet people and you fancy people without and, latching on to like real cultural mm. things yeah and it but it, it kind of like it just really yeah it just captures the sort of feel of just being you know in your 20s and 30s in a, in a new city. Huh. Uh, and there's a kind of a romance thread going through it. I mean, the name Else, Else Heartbreak is a clue and that you meet this uh, girl called... Oh, of course, I get it now because it's a, it's a programming thing. It's a programming thing, thing yeah. Like, and this happens or, or your yeah, heart gets broken. Exactly. <laughs> that, it, see, everything about it is so damn clever. It's, a, it's almost annoying how clever it is. But you, you meet this girl, Pixie, in a bar and like you know, she's like, oh, we should hang out, you know, welcome to the town. And then... Um, she goes, oh yeah, you should meet Ivan. And every dialogue oh, option great. is Ivan, 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 Ivan! <laughs> like, and you can sort of go right, and she's like, yeah, that's my boyfriend, bye! And runs away, and like, so even like, it's setting up for the classic, like, oh, I've met a girl, and it's going to be a beautiful romance. But almost immediately, it's shot down, it's like, nah, she's got a boyfriend. Like Ivan's and then, dick! And you, yeah, that's the thing, you immediately go... Ivan, he sounds like an asshole. Can you hack Ivan to make him a dick? <laughs> I was going to say, like, hacking people sounds like he's going to be the horrible emotional... Yeah, no, there is elements of... You can hack certain drinks to make you more charismatic. You drink <laughs> them and become more charismatic. But um, there's a brilliant bit where you, you go to this party in, a, in an abandoned mine that someone's turned into a nightclub and it's, like, really, you know, it's a really cool area. And you go there and you drink too much beer and you black out and you wake up in Pixie's apartment... And you go, oh, how did I get her? And she went, oh, yeah, Ivan carried you home. Oh. You go, Ivan? <laughs> oh, you're such, I hate you, but because what you, a dude. Because you said this is like a PS1 style, like, graphics. I'm mm. just imagining this is playing out like it's Fun Fantasy 7 in my head. Yeah, no, it's like Cloud waking yeah. up and going, <laughs> shaking his little It's squares. kind of, it is, it, the angle and the simplicity of the geometry and stuff is quite, you could compare it to that, but it, it doesn't look it just has the feel of a PS1 game that yeah. low poly simple textures but because this guy El Huervo has done these absolutely amazing well textures. stuff doesn't age does it it's mm, like when yeah. they did the uh, the um, Shadow of the Colossus kind of re- HD remake yeah. it kind of didn't look that nice yeah. in a way because the, the art direction wasn't the same and when you look at the original version sure it's blurry and the edges are fucked but it yeah. still looks gorgeous mm. like, yeah it's the same with like Silent Hill 2 and stuff like that the, oh, yeah, the low rest textures just add to the you know, grimy filter but so yeah like that. that's uh, it really I I don't know if I've explained it that um, no you've explained it perfectly it sounds but when you incredible. play it still it'll feel different from what I've said because it's a very it's quite it feels quite personal like the dialogue choices you take and the things you do feels quite tailored to your own experience if I, I, I sort of didn't want to share it with people when I finished it like I felt like it was <laughs> it's mine. Um, it took me like 15 hours to finish it and it gets really hard later on where you really have to 
look at the code and sort of reverse engineer the language. But you don't. I don't know anything about coding, and I finished it. So that's what I was going to say. Oh, then, yeah, that was. But you basically answered my question. Yeah, I thought. Don't be you put hacked off. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like if I'm a moron. Pretend I am. Yeah, that's the thing. Is that going to mess with me? There's tutorials that teach you in quite a clear way. And also most puzzles you you solve by just looking at the code of other things and just going, if that does that, then if I change this variable or whatever. You know, so it's it's really cleverly designed. I mean, we've both, like, I don't know if you have, Joe, but I know we've both dabbled a bit with, like, trying to learn to code a bit anyway. And actually you realise that whilst it starts off seeming really complicated, you realise after a while... It's actually just puzzle solving. Yeah, yeah, I've done like twine games, so I, you know, I get the sort of like if this happens, this happens. Mm-hmm. But I've never delved into the actual language stuff. Yeah. And but, actually, a lot of coding is is that is like taking yeah. things that other people have already made and yeah. breaking them <clears> to make <throat> them do what you want, and that's allowed. And we're not stealing stuff. It's like lots yeah. of people just go have this for free, and you go cool. I don't understand it, but I'll have it. Thanks. And yeah. then you're like, what is this? How does it do what it does? I, like, I was going to say, did either of you ever play Eve Divine Cybermancy? <laughs> Which is no. an insane Russian first-person shooter that basically is in no way like this game, but two things you've said have reminded me of it loads. Which is, one, it drops you into a place with almost no explanation. In this case, like some mad, like grotesque future world, where the first quest you get is, I think it's like, bring back some ammo, or some guns, or... Metastronomic force creatures <laughs> and doesn't explain what those are. Um, and it also involves hacking in this weird way where you can hack anything, but it can hack you back. So you can hack a door, but the door can fuck you up if you're too if you take too long wow. with it. Um, uh, yeah, it's just a weird kind of parallel yeah. that people yeah. who've played Eve Divine Time. I played 45 minutes and just went fuck this I've forever. Never heard of that. It's really weird. You can probably pick it up for like a pound on yeah. Steam. It's worth looking at if you want something weird, but yeah, yeah that's what it reminded me of. I, I, to be honest, you talking about this idea of coming to a new town, it's um, it's kind of it reminds me a little bit of my experience we got home, of and I, I'm kind of glad to see more games, hopefully trying to explore themes like that that are simpler. Because yeah. I think the funny thing about Gone Home is like you know I'm not going to spoil it, but the, 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 a lot of people the theme that people have have latched onto is actually not really the main theme of the game. It's just a part of it. It's just a part of the, the story, the plot, and the real theme for me felt like this idea of of coming home but it's not your home and it's just got your stuff it's got in your it stuff in it and you're supposed to recognize things but this idea of walking through a house and it feeling strange but apparently it's yours and that's mm. like an experience that anyone who's left home for a time and come yeah. back especially if your parents have moved somewhere it's surreal because it's things you recognize in different places mm. but even if you've you've come out to the same place it's like oh, what this isn't my house anymore and it Someone's seems like messed with my memory castle. And I love that because it was so evocative for me. This mm. feeling of like, oh my god, they've actually managed to ca- remind me so strongly of memories which I hadn't thought about for like eight years. Yeah, because- well, when I when I first played, I was heartbreaking. When you first arrive in the town, like that's I, I thought about when I first arrived in Bath when I was eighteen. Yeah. After leaving Glasgow to come and work for Future Publishing. And it was the exact same moment where you step out and go, this is my home now, but I don't know where anything is. Yeah. I don't know who anyone is. And it would... So, I, but even without that kind of... Even if you haven't experienced that, I think there's enough in the game that everyone will have experienced where whether it's, you know, um, the sort of crushing feeling of talking to someone you quite fancy and then they... When they drop the boyfriend in. Yeah, and like <laughs> it just captures all these little modern, contemporary kind of things that feel massive and important to you but aren't really I like that though yeah. I like that though it's funny you've obviously got the crowd of like being like oh I don't want those pretentious games but it's I love that 
you can start to have games where they do actually like convey things which are not big grand things whether that be yeah. save the world from aliens or um, like think about gender stereotypes on a, a global level but just simple things like this is what it's actually like yeah, to and be it's more, parties yeah, it's, it's really relatable yeah you're like when you're standing at the party um, like Pixie brings you to this party and then she just leaves you and, uh, that happens uh, yeah. to everyone yeah I mean you stood there on your own and you're like I'm just going to stand here and drink this beer which you'd literally do and then hope <laughs> that someone will talk to me <clears throat> or that Pixie will come back you know like yeah it's brilliant this sounds like you You describing this game sounds like you're telling me an actual story <laughs> yeah. about things you've done well it done. feels like it I feel like you know I, I feel like I, I lived vicariously through the main character Seb like I feel like I went through a journey with him Apart from all the hacking, I was going to say, yeah. you hacked a dog <laughs> yeah. to do tricks. Yeah, there are some like more gamey bits in it. Like there's a bit where you've got a sort of infiltrate uh, factory using hacking to sort of steal some floppy disks with some data on them and escape. And it, sure. it feels more gamey, but between that, it's just like a simulation of a of a city. Yeah, is the yeah. obtuse aspect like? Can you just spend the game doing your own thing? Yeah, that's the thing. There's the, the the approach to the story is totally non-linear. And really free. There's no time limits, so you can just Shenmue spend. style almost. Look, just yeah, that, yeah, that's that's. Ex- I was gonna say it's the most Shenmue like game I've played since Shenmue. It really feels like it. It feels a, yeah, a bit like Shenmue. It's gonna be some Yakuza fans fucking losing their shit. Now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's, what's Yakuza? I've never heard of it, Joe. <laughs> oh, I, I've not played it. Um, <laughs> I've just heard Bitsocket talk. That's, about that's it. Bitsocket fuming now. Yeah, that's it. They don't listen to this. They hate us. Well, oh well. I have nothing more to say about Yakuza. Sorry, I tell you. Yeah, tell us heartbreak. Play it, and it and it's just everything about it is so damn good. Like artistically, the music's amazing. The visuals are incredible. The writing is really fun, and it's really sort of heartfelt and human and amazing. It sounds amazing. Actually, like it's the sort of thing where I'm kind of glad, and I kind of fudged my 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 thinking about how I'm trying to explain what I mean. But I just think it's quite cool that we've we've seen like games on a whole only exploring a couple of like ideas and a couple of like themes over and over again with increased fidelity and it's this thing of I think now we're into a zone actually I think uh, Lee Alexander most kind of potently noticed it and the fact that it's like now we've just got this new wave of games where like game devs are starting to grow up and have have daughters and Mm. suddenly you've got games like The Last of Us where it's like it's not just the the lead character going and saving his girlfriend or saving his family it's now like it's more like about like this idea of actually starting to come around to being like oh my god women are people because I've got one now and <laughs> it's it's kind of a bit 2D and the, the, the heart's in the right place don't get me wrong but I think it's it's cool to see um, more games which are actually like not exploring like uh, people always go oh, oh but you know what do you want like big feely themes of being like oh man this is really in depth but just simple things like what it's like to go to a party and not know anyone yeah, like, why yeah. can't we have games mm. like that that's, that's cool it mm. makes you feel a bit less fucking weird and alone yeah. it's weird when you say that like games are sort of coming back to basics in that sense of like just human experience that we can relate to there's it's also in this hacking mechanic that's turning up everywhere like hacking yeah. is it like bringing games themselves back to their own basics <clears throat> like else heartbreak the magic circle hack and slash hack and slash there's that um one with the incredible name that I can never remember, like... Oh, T100 or whatever. Oh, no, there's, uh, there's that one where one you're, well. like, walking around with, like, a laptop, but it's also, like, a briefcase. It's called, like, Geothermal Jack Oh, yeah, the, uh, the one quadrilateral uh, quadrilateral quadrilateral cowboy. Quadrilateral cowboy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. By uh, the 30 Flights 11. Blend- was it Blando Games? I cannot remember. Oh, I love 30 Flights. I might check it out. But there's, yeah, yeah, there's all these games that involve, like, just coding as a mechanic. Yeah. So and I've never felt um, attracted to them. I think mm. I've saw I've seen like hack and slash and stuff, but I was given else heartbreak to review, and I thought I'm so glad I was because I might not have played it. So 
I say to anyone listening, don't ruby, don't be put off by the coding stuff because you don't have to know a thing about coding. Has it made you it. more interested in playing other games about coding? As a yeah, I think thing. so. And it, I wonder if those other games are as successful at teaching mm. you the uh, easing you into it because there's a character you meet in Else Heartbreak who, in chunks, just teaches you the basics mm. of the language, and it's quite well done. But it's quite cool. It's vaguely educational in a way. Yeah, because yeah, you can. Yeah, because it's it's a bespoke language made for the game, but it is based on basic and mm. real languages so you can you know you can learn something from it that you it's could crazy apply. puzzles that's the thing and that's that's kind of why I like to go back to it at some point but I haven't had time at the moment and that's what kind of why I like coding it's like there's crazy puzzles and mm. but what's lovely is it's so open that you can break the puzzles in a way that other people haven't it's not like there's a solution and then you'll you'll explain to somebody how you've done yeah. something well that, that's the thing go, about um, else heartbreak as well like once I finished a puzzle I would go on the steam forums and look at how other people solved it and every single solution was different and like people are even writing software that runs in the game. What? Because whenever you go up to a computer, like the, the screen zooms into the computer. Gotta call it now. Geeks. Am I right? Mega nerds. But yeah. <laughs> so like every every puzzle like isn't just a, a binary solution that everyone will solve that you can write a guide for. You can actually be creative with the coding and solve it in more efficient, elegant ways. So wait, what are they making? Like just ways of solving um, stuff. Someone made like a floppy disk copier program. Someone, this is the best what? one. Someone, because in, in the game there's floppy disks lying around everywhere that you mm. can access and read, and they've all got really cute little poems and song, Bell and Sebastian song lyrics on them and stuff. It's really nice. I just love collecting them and, and playing them. But um, someone, the, the most amazing use of the code I found was that every door in the game has a numerical number assigned to it that when you use a key, the key is programmed with that number and it opens it. So someone found a way of programming a, a basically a brute force program so that when you use the key, it runs for every number. Until you know, like a password wow. brute oh force thing. God. So now I've got I, in my game, I, I copied this person's code, and I've now got a skeleton key that I can just plug in to any door. And it takes a while to route through the numbers, but it will just unlock it. That's and that, absolutely yeah, amazing. And that's not part of the game. Someone just came up with that. The, the language is so f- powerful that yeah, someone came up with. I that. need to play this game. It sounds incredible. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, and actually, a callback earlier. I said as a joke, the BitSocket podcast hate us. They don't. But tonight, actually, <laughs> uh, tonight we are off to an awards ceremony where I realised, and I'll say this now, I realised last year that they were up for the same awards as the Darth Souls podcast last year, Best Podcast, mm. and they didn't win it. And actually, having listened back to the podcast they were recording around that time last year, they were robbed. Their podcast is brilliant. If you're really into stuff like, uh, like you know, Japanese games, things like Shemu, things like Yakuza, they've got a particular slant towards that stuff. If you love, like, Japanese game design... Yeah. you would be doing yourself a massive disservice not to listen to that podcast because well, it's it. very, very good. They really do... You, you know, I listen to a lot of games podcasts and you generally go... It's kind of that thing with American comedians doing podcasts. They always have the same guests at the same time because they're always doing the same junkets. Sure. But then, like... So, with games podcasts, it's always they're covering Metal Gear Solid in September and all that kind of stuff, whereas BitSocket tend to be like, we're just play, fucking playing a game. I just yeah. found it. In they just play the things they like. They talk about things they like. And it's a quite niche in a way because they, the things they like are... They're quite open, but at the same time, the things they really love are quite narrow. But mm. that's fine. And if you love stuff, they're just two guys having a lot of fun. And they're, they're very funny. Well, it is like listening... You know, anyone who has like a really good best friend will listen to that and go... Sounds like me with my best friend yeah, and steal yeah. their friendship and their I like it feelings. Because I'm not as into the Japanese game scene as I used to be, and but I still have a, a real fondness for Japanese games. Mm. So I like listening to it just to kind of keep abreast of, of yeah. what I'm missing in a way. Because life's too short, and the only podcasts fill the gaps. The only people who play Nintendo games nowadays, anyway. So it's great. <laughs> I get yeah. to re- relive the old days Lovely when chaps. they mattered. I'll talk actually briefly about something I've been playing uh, a lot of. 
I say a lot of. I've only played about three or four hours, but it feels like a lot. Um, Undertale. Oh, I've not played any of that. I've not played any either. It's very funny. It's very funny. Um, Undertale is very funny. And I know lots of reviews have said that, but I'm always extremely skeptical about when anyone says something is very funny because most people don't actually have any understanding of comedy. <laughs> and I'm a dick. And actually, we've got uh, some iTunes reviews. I was looking at the iTunes review. I installed iTunes the other day because I was. Um, I need to fix the iTunes feed and a few negative re- results saying that I'm. Me and Quinn's are very smug. <laughs> and I think, well, yeah, we are, but mostly it's a joke. Um, but hey, yeah, this is me continuing to be very smug. You don't understand what's funny Guys, and what's on. not, games reviewers. You think things are funny and they're not funny. <laughs> Undertale's all right. That's Undertale your point. is very funny. It's very funny because why? It's, it's... If you know so well, Matt Lees, explain why. It's very funny because it chooses how and when to be funny Okay. in very interesting ways. Now, there's a game which came out many years ago that everyone said was funny, and it wasn't. And uh, what was it called? It was the one about the, the skeleton character in Underpants, and it was written by one of the guys who made Monkey Island back in the day. It was, was it a skeleton? No, it wasn't a skeleton. It was like a hero, and he was like um, going on an adventure, and it was like... Oh, was he? I have no idea. But it wasn't that good. But it's it's a hero it in pants. That's all games, isn't it? And the it's... only joke in it was like um, anachronistic stuff. What's it called? I think it was called like uh, oh the Ron Gilbert yeah the Ron Gilbert thing. Game. Oh, what was that again? There were two of them. There were two games. Yeah, yeah. And the second one was a bit funnier, but I think he left that point. Death Spank. Death Spank. That's it. Yeah. Death Spank. Yeah. I read lots of reviews saying it was really funny. It wasn't very funny. Mm. It was. It was kind of like mildly amusing at times, but it's because it didn't really know how to tell jokes. The whole the whole structure of a fucking joke is about surprise. It's about expectation and surprise. It's about mm. shocking people at the point they don't expect it and that game just kept doing the same things again and again and again and it was all anachronistic jokes of being like oh he's on a mobile phone how can he have a mobile phone he's a, a knight in a world of unicorns mobile phones don't exist lol and that was the joke um, or like oh unicorns are evil but unicorns aren't evil lol and that was the joke but it was kind of amusing for a little while but it became very obvious because it wasn't surprising you mm. Undertale surprises me a lot and it does things that surprise you in a variety of ways. Sometimes it surprises you in combat encounters and the way that combat goes down. Sometimes it surprises you in terms of the way systems work. And actually one of the things it's weakest at is when it's kind of joking about... Because I assumed it was going to be yet another game that's joking about like the format of video games. Mm. It does make jokes about the fact that it's an RPG and about how RPG systems are, are rubbish. But those jokes are pretty weak. It's a bit where you try and go to a shop and you try and sell stuff and they're like, oh, I don't want your junk. Why would I want your junk? And you're like, oh, that's amusing. Because, yeah, why would you? But that's not that funny. But there are moments that make you absolutely laugh out loud. And it takes the piss out of you. Like, there are bits where I've solved puzzles, and then you get to the end, and you think you're going to get something good for it. And then it does something which just takes that away from you. So it means you've literally spent, like, ten minutes going back and forth solving a puzzle for nothing. And all you're left with is, is laughter. But that's fine, because what it's just done is really fucking funny. Um... There was a point, I, I, it's like difficult because you don't really want to spoil anything, but one thing I will, I will happily spoil is there was a point in a fight the other day where I looked in my inventory and I was, I'd, I'd, I'd used all of my health items in this fight and I really needed some health. There was an item in my inventory that was from something that had happened earlier called dog residue <laughs> <laughs> that was described as being the pieces of a jigsaw puzzle left behind by a dog. <laughs> 
which is kind of like the idea of a dog who's doing a jigsaw puzzle and then wander off. That That's funny in itself. And then I used the dog residue and then it said, your inventory is now full of dog residue. And it had just basically filled all of my inventory slots with more of that. And that was all it had done. That's awesome. It's amazing. But it's it's full of this stuff. And it, it's the sort of game where I play it and it, it's doesn't just make me smirk it makes me actually just sit and go ha like actually just has these moments where it just makes me burst into a moment of laughter mm. and it does it frequently enough um, that I'm really <coughs> impressed by saying within three hours it's like it keeps mixing up the ways it does it sometimes the dialogue is just really funny sometimes it just it just messes with you in other ways but um, it's made by somebody who's really very funny um, and I'd really recommend it, especially because it's also very touching and very sweet. And again, does a lot of similar things to this game you're talking about in terms of actually relating to kind of human things in a nice way. Mm. Like, you know, you go on a date and it's this weird thing that the person who's on a date with you don't, doesn't really understand what dates are and trying to work it out. And and again, just, just uses that idea of somebody who doesn't really know what a date is, combines that with what video games are and does something that's really funny. But it's frustrating as a game, unfortunately, because it's too fucking hard. It's this lovely game of a lovely story, and then it's just quite hard. Um, because you can either choose to fight the monsters or not fight them. And obviously, like, not fighting them is more interesting, especially because the world is kind of lovely and full of nice things. So you don't want to kill these creatures. But then actually not killing stuff is really difficult, because the combat system basically works by... Um, you have a little heart in a box... And you have to move it around to avoid projectiles. So it becomes this thing of the enemies are attacking you and you have to like move this heart around to dodge their attacks. Um, but then it mixes up the mechanics. So you have like, if it's a blue attack, then it means you stay still. You don't move and it will pass through and not hurt you. And then if it's a green attack, it changes and it becomes this almost like a dance mat thing where you have to like point the direction that attacks are coming from. And I've been doing that and some of them are really hard because it's like left, right, left, right, up, down. And it's just like, I keep dying because the game is too hard. And I guess it's it's kind of frustrating because they've made this amazing little piece of very touching comedy that surprises you in lots of ways. And it's not always funny. It does some stuff that is pretty dark. Um, and actually, there's one element of the game which I managed to not have spoiled for me. And it's kind of, yeah, unexpected to say the least. It does a thing which is just like, oh, what? <laughs> um, and I don't think I know of any other games that's ever done anything like that. It's really something. But um, it's a frustrating game because it's too hard. And I keep dying. I've been stuck on this one boss for like hours. And I keep being like, I'm too tired to play this. And I just want to go through and have this funny, touching story. And yeah, it's like, it's it's a frustrating thing in the way that it's almost like this clash between um, product and art. Because I, I think it's trying to make a point. I was going to say, is that like it's comment on JRPGs? Uh, well, I think it's a comment on life, you know? Interesting. It becomes this thing of being like, well, you can face any problem you want with aggression and you'll get through but if you actually want to constantly face aggression with peace and trying to just make friends with everyone that's actually really difficult and Hmm. not just being as simple as being like I don't want to fight you and the other person going okay then we won't fight this idea of people want you dead and it's always possible to convince them not to kill you but that's really hard and this idea of the, the more you go through the game the more it gets more difficult to convince everybody to be nice and that's it's sort of like it's one of these frustrating things where I really want to do that as a as a gamer who likes completing things I don't, I don't want to kill things I want to try and do the nice option if I can but it's so hard and I think it's almost like baiting you towards it baiting you towards being like just kill them 
Just yeah. kill them. They want to kill you. Just fucking kill them. So it's one of those frustrating things where, as a as a kind of piece of work, I kind of I kind of applaud it. But as a game, I'm trying to play. It's really fucking annoying because <laughs> it's too hard. I can't do it. I'm, mm. Maybe I'm rubbish at games. Well, no, I want to play it. <laughs> it's it's really it's worth playing because it yeah. is funny. Um, and lots of people have complained about the um, the random encounters because it does have that JRPG style thing. I'd say no on that front. Actually, from what I can tell, they're not even quite random. There are points where you will get an encounter, and it feels like a random encounter, but mm. there are certain areas where it goes, you know what, they're solving a puzzle, they're doing something, leave them alone, and they just won't do it. There are other points where you'll always seem to get a random encounter at roughly the same point when walking through a room, and it feels like, to me, they've made it so that you have fights at certain times in a way that's meant to feel random, but maybe isn't random. It's just sort of dressed up that way to fit the scheme. <clears throat> but And I think if you're playing it just killing the monsters, mm. yeah, that would be annoying. But if you're actually not, it's it's um, it's not because all of the all of the monsters in the game are like based on like, well, so far all of the like monsters you meet in random battles are based on like teenagers, and it's all about like teen anxiety. So it's all like you have to like you can inspect the monster, and it's like sometimes the monsters just really want you to think they're cool, <laughs> and then how you deal with that is up to you. It's like we could you could be like you can ignore them. Like there's one guy who's just got a cool hat on, and you just keep ignoring him, and then. <laughs> He gets he gets mad because you're not looking at him in his cool hat, and then you win. He like leaves, and and then there's actually the, the most the thing that really just actually I keep thinking about in this game. And it's a mild spoiler, but there's a there's an enemy type called Jerry, <laughs> and Jerry. It just says when you look at Jerry, when you inspect Jerry, it just says I think it just says everybody knows a Jerry, and then you realise that what Jerry does is. Jerry, like, is a character who just... He doesn't do anything. He just makes everything else a bit worse. He just makes all of the enemies attack you for a bit longer. But um, he doesn't do anything. And the only thing the thing you do on him is you can just say, like, ditch is one of the options in the fight thing. You just go, like, ditch. Ditch Jerry. And it says, you and the other monsters ditch Jerry. <laughs> and it's not even like you are ditching Jerry. It's you and the things you're fighting are ditching Jerry. But then it's this thing of, like, you just get rid of him. And that's it. He's gone. But then after a few rounds, he just comes back. And this monster just says things like, the Wi-Fi isn't very good here. Or, like, you know, it says Jerry informs everyone he's going to the toilet. And it's just this really like, horrible but so well-observed thing of being like, this is a monster that is basically the person who is just there, who everybody else doesn't want to be there, but no one can get rid of. It's, and it, it's well observed enough that I have like four names I want to say precisely. now, but I would ruin relationships. That's it. And that's why it's so sharp when it says everybody knows a Jerry. Everybody does. But I really feel, because he's, he's a monster, that every time he appears, you just go, ditch. You just go like, <laughs> And it's just this idea, he's just this tedious guy who oh, nobody... And it does so many little things like this throughout the whole game, and it, so much of it is like really well observed social stuff. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a really really cool game. I'm, I'm getting frustrated with it, but that's mainly because when I play games, I'm quite tired, and I just want to sort of stroll through stuff because I'm a nub these days. And I just, especially if I'm playing a game because it makes me laugh or is an experience, I don't want to be challenged. But again, I, I appreciate why the challenge is there, and I appreciate the statement they're making. It's just kind of frustrating. Hmm. But you should definitely check it out. It's it's a, it's a really interesting piece of uh, work. And as I say, try not to look up stuff about it because you'll find, especially if you've played JRPGs before, you'll find that you start treating it in the same way you treat other games of its ilk and it will surprise you. I might, If you want to know, I might tell you some of the stuff it does afterwards, but I'm not going to say it on the podcast because it's a big spoiler that really shocked me. 
Anyway, Joe. Yeah? Shall we have a kiss? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was going to say, do you want to... Have you been playing anything recently? I just play Destiny most of the time. It's a good like, game. I've really fallen into it. Um, <laughs> and not, <laughs> in a, <clears throat> not in like a good way. Oh, really? No, it's like, I'd like... I really enjoy it, and it is, you know... It's Bungie making a shooting game. They know exactly what they're doing. I'm not going to say anything new. Just switch off. It's fine. I'm just going to get this out. <laughs> right? Like, it, it's Bungie making a shooting game. It's brilliant. I sit there and, you know, when you're saying, like, I play games when I'm tired. This is what I play at 11 yeah. till 1 when I can't sleep. And I'm just, like, going, oh, fucking shoot a drag, you know, whatever. Like, but when I'm actually wanting to advance in that game, it just makes me feel annoyed a lot of the time but still in hock to it I'm still like oh I'll, I'll you know I'll do this and I'll get a legendary engram and something might come out of it but I, I wrote something about this ages ago where it's like Monster Hunter gets everything right that Destiny gets wrong basically with its loot yeah. like Monster Hunter makes everything feel like there's still random drops but you know exactly what you're pointing at the whole time you're going well that's the massive fucking dinosaur that I need to kill to get its scales. And I might not get those scales, but I know if I keep doing it, it'll be fine. Whereas in Destiny, I'm just going, I don't know, maybe I'll get, like, this gun. Like, there's no sense of direction. It's just going, the world might give you something back if you put enough into it. Like a big fucking delicious fruit machine. I kind of like, feel like as well, like, I mean, because you played it before, all this stuff as <clears> well, didn't you? I really feel like the people who play it from the scratch now will just have a better time. Absolutely. I think it's like they've, they've fixed a lot of the problems and they've, they've made it so there's new stuff for people to do, but I really feel like it's for people like us, and that's why actually I've tried to change my relationship with Destiny now and mm. play it much more casually than I used to, mm. because I realised I was just putting too much time into it and it doesn't reward that. Yeah. Like, it's not built it. in a way which rewards that, whereas Monster Hunter... I've now kind of reached the end game of Monster Hunter. I've got to, like, rank G where, like... I still haven't done that after, like, 400 hours. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's just, I can't. And actually, it's a shame because as soon as I hit rank G, I was then like, ah, oh, this is no longer a game I can play to chill out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and it meant I actually went back and did all of the kind of the caravan quests, which were just like, go and carry some fucking eggs or yeah. something. Like, and I was like, this, this quest is shit. I'm not even mm. enjoying it, but I'm only doing it because I want to play on the tube and I'm half yeah. cut <laughs> and I want to play Monster Hunter. But now it's mm. like kill fucking six dragons and they're all dicks yeah I can't do it I, that's fair actually I've not I've not really thought about Monster Hunter in that way because it does it does turn into a game that's basically once you get to a certain level it demands enough respect of you it just goes like no we're going to switch everything up and you have to relearn every creature that you've spent so long understanding it just becomes very difficult yeah um, and actually one of the things I really like about Destiny is the fact that you have these things, these really difficult things like the raid and the strikes mm. and stuff, and you have these moments where it's like you can you can go and focus and do something really tough like a nightfall or a raid, but there's always the relevance. If you just want to switch it on and just shoot some shit, yeah. you're still going to make some progress where most RPG systems don't allow that. You have that honeymoon period where you can go around doing pointless side quests and it's sort of still beneficial, mm. and then it gets to a point where it's like, well, that's not... You don't do that anymore. Now you just do the raids. Now you just do the high-end stuff because doing that is literally worthless. Yeah. And I like that Destiny is always like, hey, you look tired. Do you just want to shoot some stuff half an hour? We'll probably get a purple thing. Imagine imagine if Monster Hunter had Destiny-style patrols. It would be like the perfect thing. Cause you almost did, didn't it? it? I mean, there's Expedition Mode sort of does that, but it's not quite as open. It's not like wander about, kill things, and then if you want, there's these slightly harder quests that will... I'd actually love that if it just be became amazing. this thing of like you had a daily thing and you went in every day and it was like kill these monsters and then mm. you could 
even if you were stuck, because they got around the Monsanto problem of having walls quite successfully. Yeah. But even if you were really stuck, you could be like making some progress in another way. That's probably in Monsanto Frontier or something. That like there'll be a load of people going, it's in the PSP one. But yeah. That's that's kind of what I want. So what I've done is turned around and said, Monster Hunter, my favourite game of the year, is worse than Destiny, which I play all the time and don't like that much. So there we go. That's, <laughs> that's the end of this. So anyway, Andy, who wants to be a millionaire? Question number one. Yeah. Do, 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 do. Is, I'm sorry. I've had a drink. I thought you were going to keep doing it. Question number one. Yes. Can you please tell us a little bit about <laughs> other places? Yes. Wait a second, or would it do A, B, C, and D first? <laughs> a, yes. you talk about it and explain what it is vaguely, or B, me or Joe talks about it and vaguely explains it, and then we can talk to you about it. What's easier? You Because I don't like explaining what I do. Is it easier yeah, for you, it? Yeah, you do. You do, you explain it. Okay, so Other Places is basically, um, it's a nice little series where you take a, a piece of music that you feel reflects the game's world, and I'm assuming, and then you go through and you take lots of footage of the game. You kind of often involves hacking the game a little bit to make it so that you can use cameras in a way which is, you know, going to suit the purposes because you're trying to avoid things like the heads-up display and characters and just try and get a sense of the places and then create these nice little kind of almost kind of gentle music videos. Not always gentle, I suppose, but music videos of the world to give a kind of evocative sense of what a game's world is like just using the landscape and the music. Yeah, that's basically it. Yeah, it's like music videos is a good way to think of it. Um, combined with like travel, documentary style, minus narration and advice about flights and stuff. Have you ever thought of doing like a sub-series where you do do travel style commentary <laughs> yeah. of all of the videos that you've already I done? do that with some sort of sassy oh, music playing in the background. And, yeah. Mad Max is the wasteland offers an incredible <laughs> experience in sandstorms. I was going to make a joke on Twitter about you coming around through in other places of my balls. <laughs> but I forgot. So I'm doing it here now. Yeah. But what do. would the music for your balls be? You tell me. Ghost Town. Ace of Spades. <laughs> Something humming, I guess. Anyway, um, yeah, so... Yeah, that, that's... I chopped the tone dramatically there. Yeah. I'm sorry. That, that's, that's what it is, basically. I... I go into a PC game in which the world is pretty and atmospheric and I find a way to get rid of the heads-up display and take control of the camera, which varies from easy to an absolute nightmare. And then I just fly around taking footage, like hours of footage, not hours, maybe an hour of footage. Like and you're explaining this as if I don't understand what television is. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then I put the pieces together and it forms a whole... No, you do really, really good stuff. I mean, uh, it's kind of, it's a simple idea on paper. You sort of think anyone could do that, I could do that. But uh, the the way you do it is clearly, it's very impressive. You clearly take a lot of time. I mean, you, you find it's, do you, you were saying earlier before we record the podcast that you spend a bit of time actually just sort of listening to, do you have to, to take a while to choose a piece of music? Yeah, no, no. The, the music, 95% of the time, it's just a piece of music from the game that is appropriate. Sometimes the game's music, none of it fits. So I use a piece of external music, like on the Mad Max video, instead of using anything from the game's score, which is quite generic, I use the beautiful track from the film, from Fury Road. So sometimes I'll do that, and sometimes I'll get a bit of ambient music, and a lot of the time that means sacrificing the ability to monetize it, but I'm not really... No. I don't really care about that. So like on the Elite Dangerous one, I use like Boards of Canada. Like just left the music... More so I want to get it from the game, but sometimes I'll go outside of it. But basically, I just want a bit Sometimes of like, you have games that have great art direction, but not good music. Yeah, that happens yeah. quite a lot, actually. But um, yeah, but you know, the, 
the yeah so i first thing i do is just take tons of video of stuff i fly around the game world and look for just interesting things to point a camera at an interesting angle then i end up with tons of raw footage and then i put in the music track in a premiere and that's what i do i bring in the clips and i end up listening to the same track over and over again as i just make sure the clips move to the you know rhythm of the music and yeah i can appreciate yeah. that because it's and funny if the music it. ramps up in intensity i'll find clips that are a little bit more sweeping and dramatic and if it slows down i'll find something a bit more still and yeah so it's, it's you know it's, it's really fun and quite therapeutic to just sit and do it for a night and do you ever find yourself moments where you kind of get to a certain piece of the music and you go oh my god i need this and you go back in something to grab something because yeah you that's happened it. quite a lot actually yeah where you, none of the clips i've had have felt quite right for that and I think it was one of one of the Batman videos where the music suddenly does a big Tim Burton esque Batman swell, and I went, "Well, I better go and find a big get Tim on the blower." <laughs> Tim, <laughs> can you pop round and have a look at this. Yeah, look for a big shot like you know Gotham from a distance, or whatever, and so I can. Yeah, so you know it's it's quite. There's no real. Every video is different. Well, it's and, been really well received. Obviously, you've had it. Uh, these things played at like a couple of arts festivals and things like that. Yeah, it's how does it feel to be a German artist? Yeah, it's mental for for whatever reason. Uh, Germany seems to have latched on I've been on German radio twice and I was in Der Spiegel which is like the biggest you know one of the biggest Germany are cool things. they've got taste That's yeah and I, and I guess the lucky thing is that it, it's not the language doesn't matter you can look at it and enjoy it without yeah, understanding uh, you know there's no dialogue or narration or anything but yeah it's currently on display in Frankfurt in the uh, German Film Museum it's amazing that is incredible yeah which is mental they're doing an exhibition called Film and Games Interactions uh, which is a proper like big exhibition. I've got like a whole thing in the museum, glass cases with things in and screens playing stuff. And yeah, like a bunch of my videos are playing there and I'm heading off there in December actually with my girlfriend to come see it in the flesh. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. So but, you've, done, you've actually done quite a lot of them now. I mean like... Yeah, I, you know, 56. 56? That's <laughs> yeah. impressive. I did, yeah. And just this weekend gone by, I did two in one day. I went a bit Whatever, well, I was going to say, like at the start of this podcast, I was saying, you know, you're a writer, but you're also very talented in lots of other regards. But obviously, the, the third factor of this I've always known of you is you, you have huge talent, but then you have the tendency to just drop product, uh, drop projects, and yeah. walk away from them. Yeah, uh, constantly. I'm always forever just deleting folders and going right. I'm done. I'm not very good at that. I'll finish it. But for whatever reason, I'm in like a year and a half of doing this, and I've kept doing it. So, so. with all of these ones you've done, like what what have been, um, like what was the first one again? First one was Skyrim. That makes sense. Yeah, because that it's game has bad. a built-in. It's the best thing about camera. it. Yeah, it's beautiful yeah. looking. It has a built-in camera tool that you can adjust the speed oh, and stuff. Nice. And that I think I was taking screenshots of that using this camera. And as I was flying around, I went, "Wouldn't it just look cool if I just recorded me flying around here?" And then that's what triggered it. So, like you know, some games have built-in free cam tools. Some uh, in the console, you go in and type in a command and get access to the free camera. But not nearly enough. Most of the time, you have to use like dodgy like trainers and. Yeah, sort of uh, cheat engine tables that people have hacked up to the like, game genie. Yeah, basically use the game genie <laughs> to access the free camera. Luckily, I'm um, dead end thrills, which is like a, yeah my thing, but screenshots. Um, I was going to say I, I didn't mention that at the start because I wasn't sure if people know, but dead end thrills is obviously yeah. a, it was a thing that came about kind of almost the same thing, but of a different era. It was about yeah. the print era, about like kind of hacking games to get really yeah. good photos. Mm. Yeah. Um, and the good thing about that community is those guys always as soon as the game comes out they've found a way to access a free camera so huh. without that community I wouldn't have done half the games I've done but there's you know they they do it for taking stills I do it for taking videos so has it got to the point where you've got developers coming to you yeah. saying do one of our work I had one instance where a big publisher asked me to do a video for a big 
certain game and I just had to turn it down because my day job is being a journalist and I could never write about that game. I thought you were going to say having done shit. Yeah. <laughs> that was a, good, a very well received game as well. I was very <laughs> tempted to do it but I thought it'd be too weird me making a trailer for a game and then writing about it. It becomes difficult. There is a benefit to getting not cosy with publishers but getting known in that a lot of developers have I've just asked them for access to a build of the yeah. game with a mm. camera in it a free camera already in it that, a game that's otherwise difficult to get one in. and recent example of that is Soma where Thomas Thomas Grip from Frictional Games I just went can I get you know access to a free camera because the environment design in this game is you know unreal and he was like yeah sure and I got it so that's cool the more it gets established the more I can get developers I think that's one of the, re- the really nice things about the, the current like uh, landscape is that it is possible to do that now it's possible to like just almost sidestep PR and marketing because if yeah. it's like if, if people actually making games like what you do then they want you to do it so you don't yeah. need the people in between yeah. and that's cool um, but yeah, I was going to say like what have there been any like notable ones for you in the series like anything in particular like um, have there been any that people have really latched onto in a big way and had a yeah. mo- really emotional relationship yeah the I think the Bioshock Infinite one has had the biggest response. One guy said it made him cry because he just finished the game in it. Wow, he uh, played Gears of War 2. Because <laughs> like, that's like a real game. Yeah, and it's really touching. Yeah. Yeah, when that big oh, one... Man. Why is it worms that spring to mind with Gears of War every time? Yeah. But you know, I think because the, the Bioshock one was a bit of an experiment. I sort of retold the story of the game. Because I went through the levels in order, and and it is kind of like a capsule narrative, uh, capture like a snapshot of the story of that game, including like a sort of mood change in between where it gets darker as the game gets darker. I was going to say, is it because it's like really confusing, and <laughs> yeah. difficult to follow? Yeah, I actually, uh, I think it's I made it quite linear. I made some sense out of it, but yeah, some a uh, few people have said that they really after playing the game. I mean, that beautiful music by Gary Scheiman, the oh, yeah. composer, mm. and beautiful imagery and the clouds floating around and stuff like that. Well, it's a really know. evocative game. Mm. Like, it's just yeah. that um, I had a really similar relationship with Bioshock Infinite, actually, I think, um, to Prometheus in the fact that I found it really just emotional and evocative and I, I actually quite enjoyed it as a roller coaster. But then, as soon as I stepped away from it, I yeah. just went, yep. what the fuck was that? It doesn't that? bear like, any scrutiny, does it? No, really? yeah. you have to not think about it. You have yeah. to just go, and that's why I kind of enjoyed it, but at the same time, you, as soon as you examine it, you just go, well, yeah. what's that? Yeah, well, it's like that thing where everyone went, oh, well, it feels like it's uh, like animatronics everywhere. All the NPCs don't really move, and they say the same things every every time you walk past. And you're like, well, yeah, but that's when the first time that happens, it's brilliant, because no one's yeah. getting in your way. There's nothing to concentrate on except that world, and it's kind of perfect at what it does. Yeah. But as you say, it doesn't hold up at all. As soon as you start yeah. thinking about it, you're just like, what the fuck? And, and that game is just... All skyboxes, so it was an yep. easy to make look good. Oh yeah. Um, I'm I I kind of frustrated that I did that one really early on, before I'd started doing them in 1080p. So it's forever locked in 720p. I'm really tempted to remake it in HD. Do you not keep the footage? Uh, no, I not- that's the thing. When I finish a video and upload it, I delete all the raw footage. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. I feel bad because it's the thing of being like, what if you need this stuff? Yeah, I, I sometimes I keep keep them sometimes in case I need to take screenshots for PC game. I kind of whatever, wonder but- if there's like an archive, and I love being able to. One of the things I love about being a podcaster is being able to like ask questions like this and then get answers delivered to you by hand <laughs> but I kind of wonder if there's an archive where you can just like give like video assets to like the internet for free because I've spent like so much time doing stupid things like I've made like for the 80 days video we put up last week I, I made a like a, a background which is just like endless like 
trees and stuff going by a train window. And it's just this long looping video of like slightly randomized trees and bushes that makes it look like it's going past a train window. And then not long before that, I uh, green screened some candles and then like comped them together. So it's like you can just basically insert lit candles onto yeah. a table in a scene. There are some... There must be like a B-roll.com or something. I, well, there's yeah. thing, but it's all the commercial and it's this thing about yeah. I've made these things and it's like, they took ages to make, but I, I like... I now find myself being like, can I put candles in this? Because <laughs> I've done it and I've got no real use for it. So it'd be nice to be able to just shove them somewhere and be like, hey, do you want a, do you want a spaceship? Do you want candles? Well, quite a lot of people have yeah, used them, including you, have used clips from other places. You used a few yeah. Dark Souls thing. A few, I get people requesting all the time, like, can I use a few clips from this video and my, you know, whatever review? And I just always let them do it because I don't really care. You know, I don't... I mean, that's yeah. the thing is the difference, I guess, is I ask I ask with you. Um, yeah, uh, people always ask. That's a good thing. No one's ever done it. Well, it's clearly because um, you've got some, like, there's direction in that. I mean, yeah. when, I, when I want some nice footage of a game and I don't want to spend the time going capture myself, like, if you've done it, I'll, like, I'd love to be able to use it and yeah. credit it. I don't credit, like, Let's Players, and I think that's probably something that maybe is controversial, but whenever I'm, like, making a kind of video series and I just want, like, five seconds of footage of a game, I just rip it and remove the audio. Yeah. And some people would say, oh, you know, you're taking the... But it's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's like... Yeah, because it's just the, the it's game the, camera. It's yeah. not like they've it's like the kind of, it or anything. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's somebody playing... And that's kind of a weird cultural thing where sometimes there are people who believe that that is uh, uh, inherently transformative. Yeah. But it's like, that's nah, not... Yeah. You're just, Whereas every shot my thing I make sure is not something that you'd see... The point of it is you're seeing the world from an angle that you wouldn't see it from... Mm. Sometimes I will use in-camera stuff very rarely, just if it, um, you know, if, if it fits the need. But mostly every angle is an angle you're seeing a, a level you're familiar with from up above or, you know, whatever. That's kind of the fun of it, I think. I can see the appeal, though. I can see the fun. I mean, I found a bit when I was doing my Bloodborne Diaries series, I got using the little monocle. You can yeah, you can to... sit down and use the... Yeah, because yeah. I, 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 yeah, I was quite tempted to borrow a yeah, PlayStation and someone's Bloodborne save and do and other places in that but I think there'd probably <clears> still be an interest in that in the future yeah. because it's mm. just one of those games that it stays with you I think it's a, it's a special game and I mean I'm probably going to make a video about that game in the future and I'm not really in a hurry to do it and I know there'll be some people going oh why are you talking about Bloodborne now who cares but it's like nah so what you're saying is it'd be really useful is that if there was another other places to if you want to make a video for me <laughs> right? no 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 I don't know I just found myself naturally getting into that and like mm. taking like tr- and it was that interesting thing of trying to do it on a console as well trying to do very slow pans and having to like the yeah. physical control you need to like just very slowly yeah. pan a camera with a PlayStation 4 controller that's like, the most frustrating thing a lot of games actually I, I do that with an Xbox pad because they don't have any way to move in a, a smooth motion so a lot of the time I'm nudging the Xbox control very slowly you must have got good at it in the yeah well you... it's, it's so annoying though it takes so many takes and, and then it, you jump and you're yeah, like <laughs> and it, the more you think about it the more your muscle twitches and you go yeah. and it just yeah that's, that's one of the worst but things. But it must be like any cameraman skill or a steadyman skill. You must just get into the groove of being like... Yeah, I found a way of um, like move, positioning my hand and the controller on the desk <laughs> to like get a perfect... It's like people playing hand. track and field back in the day. Like, <laughs> yeah. Have you... like? Yeah, speaking of not seeing it from the angle you would in the game, have you found any like weird workarounds and yeah, you, shortcuts that they take? It sort of removes a bit of the magic where if you fly out of any scene in Bioshock Infinite you see the pulleys and levers where like something beautiful in the distance is just a sprite bobbing yeah. up and down like it does destroy the magic a bit we, but it is fascinating like I feel like I've it's teaching me about game design yeah. like how they you go behind the scenes and you see how they made something work and you know yeah it's, it's pretty interesting one of my favourite things about that 
not long ago was when they were showing off. You know, they made that um, the the link between worlds, the sequel to well, the sort of sequel to Link to the Past on 3ds, oh, yeah. and they did it top down, but it was 3D. And they showed that from like I'd love another places through that game because it'd be fucking mad. Yeah. Everything because of the way the top down works, but everything has to be have a face on it. Everything in that game is like leaning back about forty five degrees, yeah. so it looks mad. So they did these shots of the three D world from a normal level. They were like these statues that are like big imperial statues when you look down on them, and then when you look at them on su- on the side, they're just all like lazy, <laughs> like lying backwards. It's really yeah. Cool. There's a lot of that stuff you see when you're flying around in places you're not supposed to be, where you see mm. them you know, fudging things and you know, using weirdly, assets and stuff. This is weirdly quite suitable in, in Infinite because I mean, like, it's a beautiful game, but it is one of those games that, like, as you say, it doesn't bear scrutiny in in more than one way when you zoom out from it. Like, yeah. it's that thing of being like, it is just an an, an interesting museum that you're whirled through. Yeah, and actually, be, stepping away from it with the camera or stepping away from it as a person is the, kind of the same thing. You yeah. go, well, oh, it's not, <laughs> it's not really tied together very clearly. Has so. it been anything beautiful that you've like gone to capture and has turned out to be shit when you when you've come out? Uh, the Witcher Three. People really? keep asking me for that constantly, and I've done a few test runs of it, and it just doesn't translate well. It's just a lot of floppy trees. <laughs> yeah, it did, it really, yeah, I'm really surprised by how... That's amazing. That's actually, why I've not done one yet. That doesn't surprise me, because yeah. I, I can't remember... It may have been Quinn's I was talking to about this, but it's that thing of... It is like... It's the fidelity of the Witcher games are, are incredible, but actually art direction is not always that yeah, strong. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's some nice bits in some of the turns and stuff, but I mean, that game has built-in camera controls, which is like, I was like, oh, I'll do one straight away. Also, Metal Gear as well, like, doesn't... Without Snake there and things happening, doesn't yeah, really hold I sp- up. I suppose without because I, half of that game is like, make like even you know shadows in that game are incredibly important. So yeah. I suppose your interaction with it is kind of what makes that environment so special. Yeah, and also the the day night cycle moves too fast, so shadows you see them just moving like lurching <laughs> across the landscape in real time. Yeah, it's they really don't weird. move terribly. Um, Smoothly, either no. they do jump. Like, all games do that. GTA yeah. does that. You know, I noticed that when I was recording that that the shadows move. But in Metal Gear, it's just so fast. Where it looks like you've got it on yeah. time lapse. It's interesting, because actually, in a weird way, like one of the reasons I like, and we talked about it actually in the past, but one of the reasons I love MGS Five is because the like the environment and the it's it's just a part of the game. Like it's such a, in the same way Snake Eater was. It's that thing of being like. It doesn't do a day-night cycle because it's a pretty thing. It doesn't do it so you can arrive at a base and go, oh, God, look at the moon and stars, isn't it yeah, lovely? Yeah. It does it because, you know, the first time I realised that game was something special was when it was like, I need to get across this area and the sun is moving and it means like in like in about five minutes of game time, there's not going to be any shadow. It's going to mm. be the sun completely above and this, this, this panic of yeah. trying to stealth it across before the slivers of shadow go. But yeah, I guess... That's probably why it moves faster because it's an intrinsic part of the mm. systems. But it is, but it's, it's, it makes for a shit other places. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's it. It's like it's one a, hour yeah. test. Yeah. It's 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 a beautiful game, but it's also like it's it's one of the reasons it's a good game is because of the technical fidelity. Mm. It's because you can fire a rocket launcher at an outpost from miles away and watch the pieces of wood blow off the tower, but then actually that doesn't necessarily translate into aesthetic. No, it's just a lot of quiet. They had deserts and rocks and the odd waterfall. So that's your review of Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, it's not that great. <laughs> not that great. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, uh, cheers to chatting about it. If, obviously, if you haven't tried it, is it, is it otherplaces.co.uk or .com? Yeah. 
Uk. If you're not familiar with it, then yeah, do do check it out. It's really, really something. It might um, make you cry. It might yeah, make it you might. cry. When are you going to do the Giz War 2? That's places? coming. I've been working on it for two years. <laughs> it's my opus. <laughs> That's <laughs> when you delete everything and move on. Yeah. That's it. That's one song. <laughs> That's it. You're over. Nick Kelly is done <laughs> with everything. Um... Okay, so we've got some questions here. We'll keep them short because uh, we've already recorded quite a lot and we are quietly on our way to half cut. So, um, quick question somebody's asked. Um, we get a lot of these questions at the moment. It's interesting. Uh, Palmer27 is asking about, he's seen the kind of Watch the Sky special we did on the Shut Up, Sit Down, uh, which is uh, me going insane as the Japanese Prime Minister. I mention this because actually if you want something similar... That is through video games. Our subterfuge series is probably going to be very similar to that in terms of just losing our minds in a horrible way. You want to know about something similar, simple as a memorable party game? There's a bunch of stuff. Again, if you are interested in party games, shut up and sit down is the place to check out because it's funny how, we, how many generic questions we get about these things. We're like, we've got a whole website that's almost exactly the same as called Ghosts, but about board games, it's been going on for longer and it's better. Um, so yeah, I mean, general party games are good. Spyfall is a good one. Look at that on the website. There's more, but just look at that website. Yeah, thing- I, was, I mean, like this is essentially stealing a point from you because you introduced me to it. But things like Fun Employed or Snake Oil are like party games that don't make everyone hate each other, which yeah. I think is actually quite important if you're like new to game or to board games. There's something useful about getting into them through a fun medium as opposed to a sort of subtle yeah. style everyone hates each other. And you know what the funny thing is with uh with, with Sharp and Sit Down is I often just say to people and it feels like a, a dick move when people say, Oh what sort of games can I play? And I go, Well look just look at this website. Um because obviously it is a website full of things. But the fun thing about Shut Up and Sit Down is that the videos, the reviews are actually also quite strange and interesting and funny. So you might get two or three minutes into a review and then go, this isn't the sort of game I want to watch. But you'll have been entertained in mm. that time and there probably would have been a weird joke. So just have a little roam around and you'll have fun, I promise. Um, Oz Mills asks whether or not he thinks that Minecraft Story Mode is a kind of uh, a beginning of... Is this, this is a hint of the Saturday morning cartoon of the future and interactive kids' stories... Are interactive kids' stories... The way things are going to go. You know what the Saturday morning kids show of the future and of the now is? It's YouTube. Yes, yeah, YouTube. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, my um, girlfriend's um, younger uh, nephews, uh, that's what they do. They don't watch kids' TV. They watch uh, men playing FIFA and and but, yelling. And I've seen lots of adults, actually, who have kids now trying to justify these yelling adults because their kids like them. And they go, well, they're not that bad. They're not... They're not that horrible. They're all right, probably. And it's just because their kids like them. And it's like, you know what, guys? Maybe your kids are shit. What? <laughs> kids not have got have no taste. Theme tunes to look up in fifteen years, though. That's all I do. Yeah, most people, of, yeah. that's, my, that's all I do is look up Saturday morning cartoons. And you know what? Tunes. This this is a bugbear of mine, right? Because I hate it when all these people like you know. That, you're right. YouTube is now the kids' TV thing. But there are a lot of people now, especially, you know, industry people in their 30s and uh, that age who are going, oh, yeah, but, you know, this is us just being fuddy-duddies going, oh, these kids were the things. It's like, well, no, because the thing is, when we were kids, there were things which were shit as well, which have been remembered by history as being shit. There are, yeah, there will be things that are just shit. And there are, there are also things that, that we won't that get. That just really aren't for us. Yeah. Oh, no, of course. Like, you know, stuff like Peter Pot. I, I, don't, I don't get why people hate Peter Pot. Yeah, Pye. I've gone on a voyage with he's him right. where I initially had that initial knee jerk, like, well, he's just an idiot. But now I like him. I quite <laughs> like him. Yeah. He's an affable guy. He is. Um, he, he produces, like, 
stuff that's all right. And it's like yeah, it's, it's not it's for not, me. Yeah, it's not for us. But you can you can see that he, he's just he's just a charming man. <laughs> but yeah, that's it. I, quite, I see it. I see it. But that's what kids TV now is. Kids TV is PewDiePie. But that's fine because yeah. you know he seems like a nice guy. And you know he doesn't get everything right all the time, but of course he's a, like a teenager, early early twenties guy now. Yeah. So who's people... who, who is broadcasting his entire life? Like that's the thing is like we had well, I don't know fucking Richard Bacon doing cocaine while he wasn't doing Blue Peter, and he got fucked for that. But PewDiePie's like done pretty well considering he, almost his entire life is on video yeah. at this point. Like, like, my God, I'd be in jail if my life in that period was, was being broadcast. <laughs> what do you do? Uh, I'll tell you later. Anyway, um, it's just, yeah, no, I know. I think that there are actually genuinely people doing stuff, and I get that. And it's like, yeah, kids love it. It's kind of not for me, but whatever. But there are other people being like, yeah, this is just trash. And these people are going to make loads of, loads of money. But it is just <coughs> trash. Yeah. But that's what kids TV is now, and it's fine. But it's hard not to look at, like, a FIFA YouTuber buying a Lamborghini and not get a bit old man yells at Cloud about it sometimes. It's true, it's true, but it's also it's just a bit, it's the whole thing, it's just, you kind of go, well, it's just kind of cynical, isn't it? You know, the way they've made their money, the way they've chosen to do it, it's just, it's cynical, yes, they've made money, yes, they'll be forgotten by time, and does it matter? No, but also, is it important, is it valuable, should we as an older generation nod at it and go, well, I guess we just don't understand it? No, it is, it is bullshit, it's exactly the same bullshit that we had flung at us as kids, and some of us bought into, but you grow up and you go, that was bullshit, wasn't it? I uh, will say, like... Every episode of The Real Adventures of Johnny Quest was different, as opposed to FIFA Ultimate Team Packs, which are fundamentally the same activities every week. Yeah. The thing That's I find, different. The thing I like, find... Like, uh, activities freak me Inspector out. Gadget had loads of gadgets. Exactly. He always had different <laughs> bits. <laughs> yeah, Sometimes he did. Almost certainly. He <laughs> never saw it. It was behind the coat. Yeah. If he'd been on YouTube, jail. Oz. <laughs> no. The answer is no. This one's a difficult one. I've had this question. It may be the same person a lot. You were thinking about this joke. Non-Caveman Dan asks, have you ever played a game where it's included an interesting one-off mechanic or side theme and you thought the game should have explored this instead? Yeah, it's tough. Like I can't, I'm sure I've had this feeling so many times. Um, the best ones I can think of are all like Wii U games. Like things where you go, that one time that it used the... To use the gamepad properly, like in an interesting way. That should have been the game, but everyone was too scared because the Wii just fucked itself into the ground. But, you know, things like when uh, the Wonderful 101 did, had a beautiful section for like five minutes where you, on the gamepad, all your people were fighting. So you were playing essentially Bayonetta on the gamepad, but you were also in um, sort of a primitive shooter slash, like, uh, like dodge racing game like just don't run into things on the main screen and so as you fought you had to big, press big buttons by running your characters over them to move this spaceship around on the main screen whilst you had a fight it was amazing like it was just absolutely bewildering and brilliant and like this just total marriage of technology and game design and genres and all this stuff um and then it didn't really do much else with it and you're like this is weird that's how it seems like they had all their ideas in five minutes um and then you get games like Affordable Space Adventures, which are that working the whole time. Affordable Space Adventures being one of the best games ever. The problem I have with this question, I get lots of questions of this ilk of being like, have you ever played a bad game where there's one thing in it and you wish mm. they focused the game on that? I think the problem, I've thought about this loads, and I think the problem is occasionally when you're playing a bad game, if you're somebody who reviews games, and Andy actually, you 
probably uh, three of us are somebody who spends more time reviewing stuff now than, than any yeah. of us. I always found myself in a position where you never want to dick on a game for no reason. Mm. Like you always want to try and find something good or interesting to say about that game. And it means that often you play games which are not good, but they do something interesting. And you have to kind of say, this isn't a good game. But you want to be able to focus on something they got right. Because, you know, it's not just about, you know, consumer guides. It is about actually trying to, like, talk about the medium in an interesting way. And, but then the problem is you kind of go, well, this game is terrible, but it does this that's really good. Remember the Game of Thrones RPG I've talked about way too many times of having an oh, interesting yeah. duality you. system. And, and actually more games now explore that. And that's mm. cool. But it'd be very easy for me to go, this game's terrible, they should have focused on the good bit more. But then maybe it wouldn't have been good. You know, it's just the thing of like... So it's a difficult answer. It's a difficult question to answer. Do you have any? I have no examples of this I can think of. (laughs) No, you don't feel bad because honestly, we've had this question every week and I have not asked it because I've looked at it and gone, Yeah. I don't know. It's horrible. Um, Well, we'll we'll end on this one. So we've got a bunch of questions here, but we're uh, only a bit behind. So we're just going to end it on this. Duke of... Duke of Prunes it's a good name that guy's regular I think (laughs) I like that I think Witcher 3 would be better without levels slash level up slash level up requirements three slashes man he doesn't like levels at all you take questions off Twitter and he's only got two swords he's only got two swords three slashes I don't know what I'm talking about. Hey, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I was really sad that no one, when I did my Witcher joke video about the Witcher kind of in real life, nobody caught on to that. I was trying to riff off the uh, the um, trailer Park Boys joke with the whole like I've guy. I've never seen that. You've never seen it? No. You've never seen it? I've seen like a couple of episodes. Well, there's a joke where uh, I, think, I think he's... he's he, one of the characters always has a drink in his hand. It never makes any sense, but he's just always holding a drink and... <laughs> And you realise this after a while, like, he emerges from car crashes and he's still got, like, what looks like a Jack and Coke in his hand. And it's just this thing of, like, <laughs> he never doesn't have it in his hand. And I tried to have it in that so that the Witcher, in all of the scenes, was pretty much always holding two swords. <laughs> right. Which, like, he never does. He never holds them both. But anyway, no one really clocked that. No I never clocked that. Is, I mean, um, that's... Yeah. That's fair. I mean, like, that's niche, man. <laughs> I know it is. I know it is. But it was my favourite thing about it. This idea of the witch has two swords, but he never carries them There's going to be one guy who's just like, oh, that was mine. That was my one thing that I got. Anyway, you guys answer this. Which other recent title do you think would be better without particular core mechanics? That's like the opposite of the last question. Soma. Soma. My, I mean, the gist of my review of Soma and PC Gamer was, this is a brilliant storytelling experience in an amazingly evocative, interesting environment. But... The hiding, playing hide and seek with monsters thing just gets in the way of that. Mm. So I think Soma would have been would have been less of a game, but it would have been more fun if between these moments of brilliant stories, uh, you know, points in the story being revealed in an interesting way, you then had to play hide and seek with some, you know, wobbling. It's interesting monster. you say that because actually I've been put off the game by that. All the things I've heard it's about exactly it exactly is this like it, people have said it's this cool existential scary the story is thing. amazing and the ending just leaves you like. Because I've watched every trailer for that game since, what, it was like two years ago they started doing those live action ones, and I was fascinated. Like, that's everything about that game fits into what I like about Do you think it will be something they could, without too much problem, modify to make it so the monsters weren't there? (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, someone could, yeah. I was wanted an uh, Alien Isolation mod. So I could just pl- replay it with no alien and just walk around there <laughs> and be in there 
in that environment. But would you still have angry robots? Just not. No, enemies. there's no enemies. Just no enemies walk around there and pretend I live there. <laughs> I'm just wondering if like the Soma devs could make a version. They just tweak it a bit. And yeah. maybe well, it's, just... it's got um, it's mod support has always been great in frictional games. So I'm sure someone could go in and do that. I just I wonder brilliant. if it would like spoil it if it would like. Well, yeah, that's the thing. Like the a lot of the story beats are like we need to get to this part of the base, but. There's a big, there's a big like, wobbly fucker. There's a big wobbly fucker down there. I can and deal without the beats as long as I've got, like, you know, the fun yeah. bit around it, like the interest. Yeah. It would say remove the urgency somewhat. Mm. You feel like you're, you know, you're like, you've got to get here before this. Because I'm a wuss. But, like, when, when people say to me, like, you know, oh, because I actually struggle with System Shock 2. I, I tried to play it a few times, actually. Like, I, I famously abandoned a Let's Play series of video game that people are still upset about. But um, I loved it, but it was just scared the fuck out of me. Yeah. And I was really interested in the story. <laughs> But it just—it was too scary for me. Yeah, Soma is scary, so maybe not for you. I don't like scary. If games. Someone does that mod, they'll definitely play it because the story is—it's been a great year for game stories, and it's one of the best. I think. I just love it. I'm actually like there was a. <clears throat> this is kind of not answering your question, Duke of Prunes. Uh, but uh, I saw yesterday on Twitter people were talking about the fact that one of the cool things about the Witcher 3's um, uh, expansion is you can choose to just jump straight into the expansion, so you can. Yeah. You can not have to go. And like, I'll replay the game to get to the right point or any yeah. of that stuff. You can just go, do you just want to play it? Yeah. So that's awesome. And then somebody was saying, I, I think it was Tarek Musa who was saying, like, oh, this is like, it's a game which respects, a AAA game which has already taken a lot of people's time, which is now respecting people's yeah. time. And actually it's like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to Bloodborne, but chances are they do the classic from software expansion of being like, you have to be at this point. And I'm going to have to play through the game again because I've completed the game and it's reset it. As yeah. they do, um, so having games that respect your time and respect, like I don't know, I increasingly feel like it's it's cool when games have a dialogue with players before you start playing of being like, what do you want to get out of this? What kind mm. of time you got? What kind of commitment you got? What do you want? And I, I'd love it if they could maybe patch Soma to be like, yeah. do you, what, what do you want? Do you want a kind of weird experiential thing about psyche and computers and shit? I just want a really cool short story to walk around Yeah, in. That's all I wanted from Soma. That's what I thought I was I'll getting. I'll pay 15 quid for that. The latest I don't ones. want to be scared. I don't want to hide behind a box. Mm. A, I haven't got the, the, the guts for it. And B, I don't have the time. Mm. Let me just walk over there and look at that thing. I want this robot to cry at me and that's all. <laughs> Leave it. Well, every pretty much every review echoed that sentiment of the monsters got in the way of the story so I wouldn't be surprised if the next frictional thing you know, did dealt with that in some way well forget about that it's all about long tail sales of games Soma people if you're listening Frictional just make 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 a mod for a patch for the game so you can choose to play without the monsters according to this focus group you'll get 66% more sales I will give yeah. you money and there's still scary stuff in it without the monsters some of the yeah. just imagery you see in the weird stuff you encounter is scary enough oh, I'm it. down with that I'm down with that I want creepy I don't want jumpy that's, yeah. that's how I approach my life <laughs> <laughs> I hate jumping I love creeping that's, that's just how I Wonder about. Creepy Joe. Yeah. If I ever have to get up a curb, I'm fucked. But beyond that, it's all good. Sneaking around, perfect. Yeah. Right, we'll wrap it up there because we've got places to be, things to do, etc. But um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. And uh, thank you very much, Andy, for joining us. Talk about other places. Thanks for having me. Again, Joe, have you got anything in particular? I was listening to uh, Chat Very Good. Uh, um, my uh, the podcast that they're all angry with me for defecting on oh really yeah they hate me now episode 38 was uh, the one you edited into some sort of weird yeah, it landscape was, it was the 
the worst ever episode, so I did the best of the worst ever episode as a sort of like avant-garde clips show of our with the awful moments when I had jet lag. It, it was, was very, very good, very strange. I'd recommend listening to it. I mean, very stupid. There's too much wrestling in it for my liking, <laughs> if I'm being entirely honest. But it's, it's if you like it's Joe, brutal. it's really worth listening to it. <laughs> and uh, finally, we said this last week that uh, there was going to be a subterfuge series starting uh, last week, but there isn't. It's starting this week. It will be on the site. Do check it out if you want to know why me and Joe have gone from being excitable puppies about subterfuge to being horrified, dying dogs. Um, it's it's a very interesting game. You might not want to play it, but I guarantee our diary series will cause you some uh, feelings at the very least. Mm. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.